A Palestinian friend once told me that as a Palestinian, if you mention Palestine or Israel, the conversation automatically becomes political. There's nothing you can say that isn't political by nature. And yet, politics today almost always is one step removed from the people. You hear it all the time. This government doesn't represent me. These politics don't represent me. So where do you go to know what the people think? There's a man named Corey Gilschuster who asked this same question a few years ago. And then he pulled out his $180 video camera to find some answers. Producer Alexandra Chavez went to Tel Aviv to track him down. For this episode, we're going to ask you to forget the politics for a second, and who's wrong and who's right. This is a story about what the people think. I'm Razan Alzeyani. I'm Hiba Fisher. And I'm Alexandra Chavez. This is Kerning Cultures, a podcast dissecting the complex narratives of the Middle East through stories. And one story that always kind of captures my imagination. The streets lost culture. <laughs> and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. I met Corey at Tel Aviv University, where he's the director of the Conflict Resolution Program for International Students. The university has a sprawling green campus with modern buildings. But before I could get into the gated campus, Corey had to meet me outside to take me through a pretty daunting security check. We made it through and settled down to have lunch at the university's cafeteria. Sure, I'm Corey Gilschuster. I'm Canadian. I was born in Ottawa, lived in Ottawa most of my life, and then I came to Israel. A friend of mine found out that his father was Jewish, which is odd to find out when you're like 18. And so he said, I'm going to go to Israel, do a semester abroad for uh, for university, come with me. And I was like, "Eh, okay, because I'm Jewish, my parents thought it was a great idea because they just assume Israel is like them being Jewish. And I kind of fell in love with it. I have sort of a love-hate thing with this country because it's so chaotic and aggressive and warm in all ways, heat-wise and people-wise. And uh, yeah, we lived here for 20 years. Around 2013, Corey started something called the Ask Project. But before we get into what that is, let's go back to how it came about. Ten years earlier, when Corey, from his point of view, saw a breakdown of understanding between Palestinians and Israelis. So this kind of goes back to when I was living in Israel at the beginning of the Oslo Accords. So the Oslo Accords were a route for Palestinians to have independence, obviously going towards a country. Even though the politicians at the time were too afraid to say so, they knew it was going to be a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza. That was obvious to everyone. They didn't want to say it, but that's what everyone knew. At the same time, Hamas and other groups started campaigns of suicide bombings on buses. So you're in Tel Aviv and buses are blowing up. And at one point when I was living here, yeah, 95 to 98, 99, there were buses blowing up a lot, like in Jerusalem, or there were some attempts that failed. But so you're thinking, wait a second, you're on a route to independence. To me, as a Canadian Jew, as a sort of an Israeli, we're all thinking, wait a second, if we're going towards a state, why are suddenly there's an increase in violence? Why did it increase? And that confused everyone. And then it all fell apart in the second intifada, which is a whole other thing. So I was always thinking, how is it that on the Palestinian side, at least partially, I don't think it was everyone, but there was a substantial amount of people who were like, no, we will not accept this. This is the worst thing that could happen to us. We must destroy it. How is it that that happened? So it always seemed to me that there's a huge disconnect between 
Israelis and Palestinians in the media, they really tend to get it wrong. They're not, they tend to focus on the fringe, thinking, you know, that is somehow representative, and it's not. Well, originally, actually, I wanted to show what Israelis really thought for good and bad. They say horrible things too. I, I don't want to. I really didn't want to go into this being like pro-Israel uh, because, as much as I love this country, and um, you know, I believe, of course, it should exist and whatever. So part of it was just sort of showing what is mainstream and what is real, and, and through the eyes of people, because people usually tell their truth. The Ask Project is an ongoing video series on YouTube where Corey goes around the streets of Israel and Palestine and asks random people questions, and with their permission, films their responses. In this video, Corey asks Israelis, would you date someone who isn't Jewish? Here are some of the responses. Now remember, all of these videos are shot from a basic video camera on the streets. Would you date somebody who's not Jewish? Probably yes. Okay. Would you date somebody who's Arab? Um, not sure about it. Okay, why or why not? Because probably there's a big difference in their culture. And if you want to live in Israel, it's very not easy to do it. So maybe if I was living in another country and I met an Arab guy, maybe it would not be a problem. But when I live here, I can't say for sure that I could do it. Would you go out with somebody who is not Jewish? No, but just because the way I was brought up, not because I have anything against other religions. Okay, why? For, what do you mean by that? Um, because the Jewish population is really small, so in order to keep it growing and keep, you know, the Jewish nation, we have to, I know it's going to sound funny, but reproduce with other Jews. And I was always brought up, you know, to marry a Jewish guy and live in Israel. Uh, very quickly, I developed certain rules around it. This is Corey again. That I have to use all my footage. I don't cut anything unless somebody says it's a threat to my security. I try to ask as random people as possible. I try to get all age groups, all sectors, really just representative of the society that I live in. And I really believe that there's no question you can't ask. I really do. Because we should all be challenging what we think. The Ask Project has posted some 600 videos since starting five years ago. He asks forward questions, lighthearted questions, sometimes political, sometimes just curious. He started in Israel. Then Corey turned around and started asking these questions in Palestine. Actually, it was through a mutual friend. This is Manar. My name is Manar. I'm a freelance translator and interpreter. I'm based in Ramallah, Palestine. During my studies at Al-Quds University, when I was doing my master's degree, a friend connected us. Hey, Corey, this is Manar, and you can maybe work together. I listened to the questions, I listened to the people and how they answered, how they reacted, how the translators also, he worked with two other translators before me, I think, how the translators would explain the question or translate what they would say and the places that they would go to and so on. So that's how I got involved. I liked it. Menar started working with Corey about three years ago. Before her, he worked with a few other translators. Corey asks his questions in English, and Menar live translates the interview in Arabic. Here are some clips from a video they did together, where they asked Palestinians whether they would marry a Jewish person. Oh, God forbid about marrying a person who's Israeli or Jewish. God forbid, no. Why? I would never. Why would I want somebody Israeli or, or Jewish? 
I just, love this. If, if you, when it, I say the word, it doesn't work. If I say the word Jew, what does she think? What did that translate to? I would think of smacking this person with a shoe. I said, which person? He said, the Jew. Okay. And after she finishes being angry? Okay. <laughs> that might be a good relationship. I would, I would kick him out because they're all under our feet. We don't care about them. At all, at all, at all. What does under our feet mean? Like they're below us? They're below us. Okay. So would you would you marry or date an Israeli? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? What's the problem with that? Okay. Okay. عندك ولاد؟ Do you have any kids? عندك. Okay. لو أجا ابنك يوم الأيام بحكي لي أتزوج واحدة يهودية تعرفت عليها. شو بتحكي له؟ If your son came up one day and said, I want to marry this Jewish girl, what would you say? مش مشكلة. ولا في أي مشكلة. No problem. The way we explain to people, I wouldn't introduce him as an Israeli. We would later say that he's an Israeli. To some people, they are more accepting of this, but not all the time. He would send me the questions a day before, so I would see them. Sometimes some of the questions I would refuse to do with him because they would cause a lot of trouble. One of the questions was, uh, would you be willing to compromise for peace? This was for the Palestinians. In Arabic, when you say compromise, there's not a good way to say the word compromise without meaning to give up or to surrender. So a lot of the people, when I asked them, uh, would you compromise? And the people would say, but we've already given up so much. And they would answer in a very angry way. So I would tell Corey, okay, we have to use another word. In these next clips, Minar tries a few words to describe compromise in Arabic, asking Palestinians what they would do for peace. In the first clip, she says, hal wasat, or a middle solution. No. She shakes her head. No. She's saying no. Why? I don't know because there's no peace between us and them. Yeah, but if you could have peace here, would you find a way? Yes, perhaps we might find Living with Israelis somehow. Sure, it's no problem if, if we lived with them. Okay. In this next clip, Minar uses the word tenazulat to explain compromise, which translates roughly to come down or a reduction. We have already compromised everything and there's nothing left for us to compromise. But if you'll get real peace, will you, are you willing to move forward? With the compromise? Yeah. There's nothing left in, uh, under our control or, or in our hands that we can use to compromise. In these clips, Corey asks Israelis what they're willing to compromise for peace with Palestinians. In Hebrew, compromise translates as it does in English. Bring two things to the middle. Corey approaches a group of young adults in a park, sitting on benches, having lunch. He asks the same question about compromise to the group. 
and one woman speaks up first. Which of you is willing to compromise for peace? I am willing. What is the compromise? Let's start with the idea that if we never compromise, we will never be able to live here properly. And we will always continue in this situation where people get killed on both sides. And I think the situation, mainly Palestinians, mainly in Gaza, are living in a horrible situation. So they will never have a reason to stop, at least the small minority of extremists who try to hurt us. They won't have a reason to stop doing that. So I think if we get to a compromise and find equality, then we'll be able to live better, and we won't have more deaths on both sides. In this next clip, he asks an older man and woman in Jerusalem. Are you willing to compromise for peace with the Palestinians? Yes. Okay. And you? We will never have peace here with them. No? No. Let's say, let's say Palestinians change. There is no chance they will. No chance? No. But let's say if they did, are you willing to compromise? For peace? For peace. I am willing. I'm not interested. Because there will never be peace with them. Ever. Why do you say that? Because there will never be peace with them. They can try giving them land, they can release their murderers, there still won't ever be peace with them. Because you can't trust Arabs. What is true is true. You're allowed to say what you want. We are a very paranoid people. I get it. And I'm Jewish and I I relate to it. I feel it too. As my joke is, my mother goes to the supermarket and she's sure she met 10 Nazis. She's sure of it. What are some of the most surprising responses that you've got? Well, I wasn't prepared for the level of hate on the Palestinian side. Um, Like, just this raw fury and hate. But we have power, so that's different. We have, we have an army, we have, economically, we're doing better. I guess maybe the people that we ask and, uh, and give these angry answers, textbook answers, or the answers that they are expected to give, maybe to keep on a brave face and to encourage resistance in, in all the ways that they can. Maybe they were hurt by the occupation, so they lost hope. Also, anybody who answers a question, they're rarely alone. They're always surrounded by people, even if you can't see them on camera. So if they say something and it's not according to the general belief, they fear that they might be ridiculed. So people feel safer giving the more common answer than what they believe in their hearts, unfortunately. So then I thought, okay, maybe we could do a dialogue because Israelis and Palestinians, at least since the Oslo years have been really cut off. Like, Palestinians need a permit to get into Israel. Not so easy to get. Um, they don't really want to come into Israel. How dare I even even say that? That's what they tell me. They say it's normalization. If I go and I speak to my occupier, I am normalizing the occupation. Israelis will never go, almost never go, into the West Bank unless they are settlers or maybe they'll only go to Jewish settlements. Um, so how would we know about each other? How would we know what, what each other thinks? Here are clips from videos where Corey asked Israelis if they had any Palestinian friends or if they would visit Palestine. In this first video, an older man sits with his wife outdoors. Before the first intifada, we would travel to Gaza and eat fish, a seafood restaurant on the beach. It was great. It was a different atmosphere. A different atmosphere. You could drive. And I went to visit a friend that lives in a small Jewish community after Gaza. So what changed since then? Look, there were uprisings since, causing extremism and hate. Today, sadly, 
sadly today, the Arabs in Ramallah, I wandered around Ramallah then too. Of course I was there, not once or twice. In Hebron, in Jericho. But that was before, before they started lynching Jews. So today you wouldn't go there? Of course not! Are you insane? Do you have Arab friends? Yes. Okay. Where? I grew up in a mixed neighborhood, both Jews and Arabs. Where? Haifa. And we grew up as families together, where everyone was together and everything open. Are you still friends with them? Yes, yes. I have many non-Jewish friends. Does that include Palestinians in the West Bank? I have no contact with people there. A little because I work in buildings, so I meet them at building sites. But it's only saying hi and drinking coffee together. So we never talk about politics or anything like that. On the Palestinian side, they asked people what they would do if they met an Israeli, or if they have anything in common with Israelis. In this first clip, Menar is not the translator. What do you think you have in common with Israelis? There's nothing in common. Nothing? Nothing? Yeah, he was uh, shot by them. Shot? Yeah. Shot? Yeah. But nothing? He doesn't want to even talk to Israelis? To find peace? There's no peace. If you met an Israeli Jew here in Nablus, what would you do? And would he be safe? Well, the Ask Project, it, it's really to show the world what Israelis uh, think and what the Palestinians think and what we sound like and what we look like as well and make it more clear to the world uh, what the Palestinians think and what the Israelis think and trying to bring things closer, trying to bring the conversations you know, closer. Maybe Israelis have better media coverage internationally, so this also helps to show Palestinians have lives uh, are trying to do good, we're very educated and we're very intelligent, smart people. So I'm not sure if it's to promote dialogue, but maybe it's just to make things clear. 
Unfortunately, right now, there's there's more divisions. Our parents and, and the generation before us had more interaction with them. It's very true. We had more business with them. We had more freedom of movement with them. Uh, we can live together because we did used to live together at, at some point when there wasn't a wall, when, when the Jews lived with the Muslims and the Christians. So if it was good one time, it can be good again, inshallah. Corey shared his YouTube channel stats with us, and the top countries watching these videos are the United States, Canada, and the UK. Israel and Palestine rank at about 5.5% of the total viewership together. But of course, Israelis or Palestinians could be watching on VPNs or watching outside of both countries. We asked both Corey and Menar if there were times when they were interviewing somebody or if someone had written in to Corey saying that they had a change of heart. Perhaps they felt really strongly about one thing, and after watching a video, they believed differently. And while people do express their appreciation for these fresh perspectives, both Corey and Menar told us that, for the most part, it seems whatever opinions people have coming into the Ask Project, they typically have coming out again. The people who are closest to the project, however, Corey and Menar, have this kind of special friendship. It's the kind of friendship where they both know about each other's personal lives, and Menar guides Corey on what is and isn't appropriate for him to say. Okay, so he's a gay Israeli atheist in Tel Aviv, but in, in the West Bank, he's a, he's a straight Christian Canadian. I tell him, Corey, when you're in the West Bank, what are you? He said, I'm a straight Christian Canadian. One time uh, we were asking, somebody sent us a question, would you date a non-Muslim? And then one young man who was part of a very big political group with other students said, what about you? Would you marry a woman who's not Christian? And he was, and he just looked at me. He was dying to say that he was an atheist and he was gay. And I said, yeah, Corey, as a Christian man, would you marry a non-Christian woman? And he said, well, as a Christian man. <laughs> Manar told us that Corey has also introduced her to parts of her Palestinian community that she may not have encountered before. He would go to places I wouldn't normally go to or would sometimes just pass through. He would speak to all kinds of people, different kinds of people. Like, I would actually be surprised by some of the answers that we were given from some people. Like, it's kind of an adventure every time we do questions together. Um, there was one, I asked a question to a guy on, on my way back from Nablus in the West Bank, a taxi driver, Palestinian taxi driver. And somehow it led to the fact that he used to work with Israelis. Somehow he mentioned that. So I put, again, stop. And I said, okay, tell me about that, right? He used to work with Israelis in the old days. He was in his 50s. And he said, yeah, I used to have a store in, I think it was in Nablus or Jerusalem. I can't remember. It's in the video. Um, and he had Israeli suppliers who would supply him with chewing gum and candy bars and that in Tel Aviv. And uh, during the Intifada, I guess the second Intifada, he went bankrupt because... Nobody was buying anything, and he, he just couldn't afford the store anymore. And he owed this guy $10,000, I think it was, he told me, or $20,000, huge amount. And, and I'm like, well, what happened? He goes, he forgave me. He said, forget it. He said, if you ever make money, pay me back. And I thought, wow, here's a Palestinian who lives under occupation, screwed over by, by war, is saying, this Israeli Jew helped me. He forgave my debt. What an incredible thing. And he says it on film. It's not like he told me, he said, oh, don't put that on film. He's saying it on film. 
Then I stop and I get out of the car, and this is in front of Ariel, a Jewish settlement, and there's a soldier standing there and he kicks the guy's car. I lost it. I start screaming and swearing at the soldier in Hebrew. How dare you? Who the hell do you think you are? And I thought, even after all this, he tells me this wonderful story about how a Jew did something. Another Jew, some 18-year-old kicks his car and has power over him. That is really, we should not, we should not be in this situation. This episode was produced by Alexandra Chavez, Rizana Zayani, and myself, Hiba Fisher, with editorial support by Yahya Abu Ghazala, and special thanks to Ed Klaus, Ahmad Elwani, and Mahmoud Abdusalam for helping us to voice over the translations to the Hebrew video clips. You guys are the best. If you're interested to learn more about the Ask Project or watch some of their videos, search for the Ask Project on YouTube. There's also a website, theaskproject.com. As always, if you like what you heard here today, please take a quick second and rate us on iTunes. It really helps boost our rankings so that other listeners can find out about us. Until next time. What's your cultural background? Like where are your parents from? Grandparents? Morocco. Morocco. Okay. So if you're outside of Israel or even inside of Israel and somebody calls you Arab, do you get offended? No. I understand that when I'm uh, outside of Israel and somebody sees uh, someone who's, who looks like a Middle, uh, Middle Eastern, he doesn't really understand if he's coming from uh, Israel or an Arab country. Okay. And I think that there is nothing to be offended. Okay. I don't think I'm better than, uh, than an Arab. Okay. Do you consider yourself Arab in some ways? No. Coming from Moroccan culture? No. no. Uh, you're Mizrahi, obviously. Oh, yeah, here we go back to this. Um, do you mind being called an Arab? There are some people who call us Jewish Arab. Yes, I do mind. Why? Because when you say Arab, you mean for uh, exact things that are relevant for these days and not for the past days. I am, you can call me a Jewish Arab only because my parents or my grandparents were in, the, in our countries. <laughs> I don't have anything to do, maybe unfortunately, maybe not, with the Arab culture, with the Arab uh, states. Nothing. So, no, you can't call me Jewish Arab, you can't call me Arab. I'm Jewish, Israeli, nothing more. Can a restaurant open during Ramadan? Yes, it's my opinion, yeah, because there's people that don't fast for certain reasons, there's people that are not Muslims that don't fast, so that shouldn't be uh, set to them as well. Um, a restaurant wants to open on Ramadan in the middle of the day. Depends on the region, I think. If it's a Christian town or no, in the middle of urban uh, area, Ramallah. In middle of in the eighties, they they used to sell shawarma mid mid Ramadan. Oh, okay. And people used to eat it, uh, but now I think no. But there's one restaurant that opens during Ramadan in Ramallah. It's called Susu or something like that. Really? Yeah, and they make sandwiches, and lots of people swear. Where is it? Uh, Sharafka.